0: Seven. And uh, yes, I've been around for quite some time. I've enjoyed my Christian life incredibly. And um, I was a student when I got baptized. And uh, I remember studying the topic of discipleship. I have been brought up in Ghana, West Africa, <laughs> sent, to, <laughs> sent to England to qualify, which I did eventually. But when I studied discipleship, there was no doubt in my mind, one day God will send me somewhere. I taught in a little village in Africa, where I'll preach the gospel. So Lexter is a bit of luxury. But I remember a year ago, I was asked if I could consider going into the ministry. And I said, no, 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 no. The ministry is not for me. I'm happy with my job. I just love leading my family group. And all the rest. A year later, the invitation came. This time, and I must say, the whole year I reflected: Why did I say no? Why did I say no to the first invitation to go into the ministry? And I count—I had counted across the whole year. Why did I say no? And I think it boils down to perhaps I loved my comfort. <laughs> I loved my salary. I was a governor for two of my daughter's school. I was a trustee for three charities. I think I had a comfortable life. But God always calls us higher. And I remember the second time they came and they said, oh, this time there is some... The Leicester Church may need a full-time person. And I said, look, we don't feel adequate, but if this is what the Lord calls, we'll go. So we went to the interview in Leicester with the leadership group, and um, I said to them, look, I have never been in the ministry. It's the first job interview I've told them I don't have the qualification and I got a job. (laughs) So here I am. But uh, it's great to be in Leicester. I know it's colder than London in terms of temperature, but the people are very warm. Um, Indeed, you are the mother church. You planted a church in Leicester. And we still enjoy the support we get from you. The Spencer's come every other month to help with our marriage group. Amen. And we are enjoying that. In fact, in, in a, two weeks' time, James cousin will be preaching in Leicester. Oh, so, uh, two weeks ago, Andy Fleming came to preach. So, we do have a bond with you. And we do need you. Because uh, we intend not to just sit in Leicester, but the whole of East Midlands needs to hear the gospel. Amen. Okay? We are not here to maintain. Jesus never came to maintain. Jesus came so that the whole world, all nations, will hear the gospel being preached. And so it's good to be with you today. Um, If I have my slide, please. That's my family there. That's Jackie. Jackie and I have been married for, as you always remember, 18 years. And um, we have two daughters, Omaria and Itiga. And um, we adopted two girls. I saw Maria in the British Adoption Society magazine. And I said to Jackie, I like this girl. She was barely three years old. Jackie saw the little one who was a little baby in the Westminster Council magazine. And we pursued. So we have about six social workers. She had to. she had to. We had different, you know, the adoption process, very lengthy. Three months down the line, they said, oh, by the way, do you realize these girls are siblings? So indeed they are siblings. They lived under, the, they slept in the same The very first time they came to our house. But that is how God works. That is how God works. They fight a lot. But uh, that's fine. (laughs) That is fine. They call it sibling rivalry. And uh, I'm learning. What is most important? People always ask that question. An expert of the law goes to Jesus. And said to him, Teacher, which is the greatest command? Which is the greatest commandment in all the laws? Jesus said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. This is the first and the greatest command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Another person comes to him, he said, Of all the commands, which is the greatest The same thing here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. He said, this is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When you do this, you are not far from the kingdom of God, Jesus said to him. In Luke, the expert of the law this time said, what must I do to be saved? Again, Jesus answers, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. If you do this, you will live. What is most important? The next one please. That will be my topic for today. Love the Lord with all your heart. Of course, the context of this is in Deuteronomy, where Israel, Moses gives the law to Israel. Hear O Israel, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. This is what we are called to do. Jesus said this is the most greatest of all commands. Of course, if you ask me to love somebody with all my heart, my immediate question is why? Imagine Rory telling me, Roger, love me with all your heart. I said, why should I love you with all your heart? There ought to be a history. There ought to be a journey we have gone on. The commands doesn't come out of a vacuum. They've had a history. What has God done for these people? For him to ask them to love him all this with all their heart. What sort of relationship, what sort of journey have they been on? You see, Israel needed a faithful memory of what God has done for them, for them to have that faithful practice of loving the Lord with all their heart. Faithful memory and faithful practice are somewhat intertwined. And as disciples, we always need to remember when the commands are given and we just do it without a context, we become so legalistic. We should always remember that the commands are in the context of a wondrous giving of a gracious God. And we should always remember that. So Moses tells them throughout Deuteronomy, I'll go through some scriptures for you. He said, See, remember, I gave you this land. He increased your numbers so that you are as numerous as the stars in the sky. He said, Remember that. The Lord your God is going before you to fight for you. The Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son. He went ahead on your journey in fire by night and cloud by day. This is what he did for you. The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. For 40 years, he gave you all you needed. You lacked nothing. Remember, that is the context in which you are called to love the Lord your God. Imagine for 40 years, you live life without needing anything. I'm 53 years now. I tell you, I spent a lot of money on bills and this and that. Imagine for 40 years I didn't have to spend any money. (laughs) That's what God did for them. Because God loved your ancestors and chose their descendants after them, he brought you out of Egypt in his great strength. Deuteronomy 7, he reminds them, you are a people holy to the Lord your God. He has chosen you out of all the peoples of the face of this earth. You are his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you are more numerous than other people. In fact, you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors. He has redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and obey his commands. Remember how the Lord your God has led you all the way in the wilderness for these 40 years. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. I'll throw these clothes away next year. Imagine I could wear it for 40 years. My shoes wear it now. Imagine for 40 years I could have my shoes. That's what God did for them. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat, something your ancestors has never seen. You may say to yourself, my power and strength of my hands have produced this for." but remember... The Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Understand then that it is not because of your righteousness that the Lord your God is giving you this good land to possess. And now Israel, what does the Lord ask of you? To obey him and to love him with all your heart. That's the context in which they receive the command, love the Lord with all your heart. Amen? Amen? And we in Christ, whilst we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? Yes. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. One Peter tells us that, for God so loved the world, he gave his son for us. And that's the context in which as disciples, we love the Lord with all our hearts. The Gospel of John says we've been called the children of God. Ephesians say we'll become fellow citizens with God's people. We have become members of God's household. We've become a dwelling in which God lives by his Holy Spirit. We become God's temple. Jesus calls us his brothers and sisters. Hebrews says we enter God's rest. We share in the Holy Spirit. We've tasted the goodness. We are receiving a kingdom that can never be shaken. Amen. Therefore, in the view of this grace of God, we are to love the Lord your God with all our hearts. That's what we're meant to do. With that introduction, what do we do to be able to express this love with all our hearts? I think the first thing we need to do is we need to remember we need to remember we need to have deep conviction about what we believe first point we need to have deep conviction an unwavering belief a fundamental of faith that will not shift we need to have incredible belief about whom our God is that God exists number one, he does Amen. that God is real That he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We need to have deep conviction about our God. God is spirit. God is the creator of the entire universe. The visible and the invisible. God has created things that even the visible eye cannot handle right now. Scientists cannot still fathom how all this began. God is infinite. He's unlimited. He's not bounded We need to have conviction about who our God is. Our God is eternal. Our God is righteous. Amen? Our God is unchangeable. Our God is transcendent. Human brains cannot actually comprehend God enough. God is sovereign. He rules. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. There's nothing too difficult for God. He's omnipresent. His presence is everywhere at all times. When you are sinning, remember God is standing right there, wherever you are. God is holy. He knows all things. He is loving. You see, our concept of God, our idea of God is essential for the growth in faith and obedience to loving him with all our hearts. Amen. We need to have conviction that the Bible is God's word. It's not relative. Oh, you think this way, is this? it's an opinion. No, the Bible is God's word. Jesus is the son of God. He's divine, amen? amen? Jesus is our savior. He died, he was buried, he was raised from the dead. And he is coming back, amen? amen? We are saved by grace through faith in baptism. We need to remember. To be able to obey God, we need to remember The deep convictions of the truth amen you see this sort of belief and conviction comes from hearing the message so when i say to brothers we need to read the bible it's not a legalistic thing we need it actually to be able through our memory of what god has done so that we can follow him amen and that's why we read the bible we need to be active in prayer we remember through prayer. I always wondered to myself, Jesus, the son of God, the creator of the universe, who came down to take on human flesh and submit to death. Why would he pray so much? That in Mark 135, that very early in the morning while it was still so dark, he would go to a solitary place and pray. Why? That Luke 516, often Jesus would draw to lonely places and pray. Luke 6.12, Jesus went out to a mountain to pray and spent the whole night praying. Why would he do that? During the days of Jesus' life on earth, Hebrews 5.7, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. He was because of his reverent submission. God, he had heard Jesus. He prayed all the time. The disciples in Acts chapter 1, constantly joining prayer. Marks of the church in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 they were devoted to prayer why because it reminded them of the power of God amen Amen. how do you pray when you pray are you filled with God's awesomeness when you pray do you get energized like Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane after he prayed he said now I can face the crucifixion That is a transition, isn't it? And if your prayer is a list of depressive thoughts, then perhaps you should go back like the disciples to Jesus and say, Jesus, teach me to pray. We need to pray like Jesus. Amen to that. We need to be active in prayer. We also need to remind... We need to remember ourselves, but we also need to remind others. Remind people of God. My next point, please. We need to remind people of God through the good news about Jesus. Amen. We need to remind the church about what God has done. You say, what do you mean? But we are saved. We need each other. Seriously. We need to teach the scriptures to each other. What God can do, I like the testimony he shared. It reminds me of the power of God. I like the way we got our children. It reminds me of the power of God. In fact, the very week I got our daughters came home, I got made redundant. And I said, God, that's interesting. I've just got two children, and I'm redundant. Great. Then my father-in-law fell ill, so Jackie had to go to Nigeria to see Dad. The week she was gone, I got an interview for a job. And I said, God, please, I need this job. So I asked one of the sisters to come and babysit the girls so I could go for the interview. Now, there was a stringent requirement. Not any person in the church can just babysit two girls adopted. They had to have all these CBR things then. So we got a particular sister in the medical profession, and she was going to come. But on her way, emergency came. She had to go to the hospital. So here I was. I bought my ticket, waiting, phone call came. I couldn't go for the interview. The sister became available about 3 PM, I think. The interview was 10 AM. It's gone. But she came. I said, have a cup of tea. Oh, actually, look after the girls. I want to go to that company because I had staff members before and all that. I know the pain it takes to organize an interview. So I said I want to go into the HR department and say sorry and explain why I couldn't make it. So I got on the cheap train, the tram, got a train to London, got a cheap to the office, and I said I was meant to come for an interview for 10 a.m. I couldn't make. It. I just want to speak to the lady who organized the interview. They call her and I said I'm not here for the interview. I just want to say I'm sorry. This was a circumstance. I just couldn't attend. I know how much it takes for you to organize these things. I didn't want you to think I've taken you for granted. So that's all. Thank you. And he said, wait a moment. So I stood there. And uh, she said, no, wait. I organized an, a panel. So within 10 minutes, she got a panel together. We went to this room. She did the interview. It's the worst interview I've had. <laughs> it was terrible. So I walked out. It was about then, about just 5 o'clock. Walked out. My phone rang, unknown number. Jackie and I had arranged that she should phone me from Nigeria at that time. So I picked the phone and I said, hello, darling. (laughs) Hello, darling. Uh, And this tender voice said, is that Mr. Frimpong?" I said, yeah. (laughs) It is. You're certainly not my darling at the other end. So, um, he said, "Wow, well, you've just been to the interview. I said, oh, yeah, yeah. It, it was a disaster. He said, no, 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 no. They want you to start tomorrow. I said, what? Excuse me? He said, yeah, they want you to start tomorrow. I said, uh, actually, I have a problem. My wife is in Nigeria. She's not coming for another week. And my circumstance wouldn't allow anybody to look after our children. I, I can't go into the details. So, sorry. Thank you, but... It won't happen tomorrow. So that was the conversation. Then half an hour, I've gone through the chief, come out the other side. The phone rang again. They said, I'm not going to say hello, darling. <laughs> Picked the phone. It was the agency again. They said, oh, did you understand? Start next week. I said, okay. Anyway, so next week, Jackie returned. I went to this place. And I went to the lady, and I said, why did you hire me? This is the worst interview I've had. He said, actually, you were the worst candidate. <laughs> he said, we had 35 candidates. You were the worst candidate. I said, oh, great. So why did you hire me? He said, the questions you asked. When they finished, they said, do you have any questions? Well, I asked them 10 questions they couldn't answer. What happened to me was the 10 questions were the 10 things the auditors have put in the management letter that if this Charity they didn't change it, they'll be shut down by the Charities Commission. I was the only one who asked those 10 questions. He said, Because you asked those questions, you should have the solution. <laughs> but that is what God can do. Yeah. We need to tell each other what God can do. We need to remind each other of what God has done in the scriptures. He parted the Red Sea. We need to remind that. David conquered Goliath. You understand what I'm saying? Jonah came out of the fish. Daniel came out of the Daniel's the lion's den. Hezekiah was dying and prayed. And God said, Hezekiah, I've heard your prayers 15 more years. We need to remind each other of what God has done. Amen? Amen. We need to remind our children. In fact, the Deuteronomy Scriptures we just read, he goes on to say, this commands that i give you today to be on your house impress them on your children that's interesting isn't it we need to teach our children oh by the way i love the singing in the birmingham church it's awesome for me the songs does something to me i love god's word but i tell you the singing does something to me my two daughters they sing beautifully and yesterday, in the family devotion, I said, what songs do you want to choose? One said, I want to sing, we are holy. The other chose, um, I am to worship. And I'm thinking, little children, choose something that we can be. So we, the adults chose the fancy ones. I'm going to view the holy city and all the rest. <laughs> but as we sang, I was listening to this tender voice. So we are singing, you, da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. and they know the women's bit and it's so beautiful I'm thinking wow I'm so blessed here I am singing with my daughters it's so beautiful but we need to teach our children okay it's important there's a book I was reading this guy said a Christian man who refuses to teach their children is a child abuser it's a strong thing to say isn't it he said we are setting them out for disaster we need to teach our children we need to make time to do that I'm studying the Sermon on the Mount and guess what, my family devotional will be based on Sermon on the Mount the Beatitudes and all the rest we need to sow the seed right here we need to teach our children we also need to remind the world of what God has done we need to remind the world of what God has done we need to remind the world that salvation is found in no one else For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which men must be saved. That is why the gospel is preached. Amen? Amen. In 1 Corinthians 9, I love the scripture verse 16. Paul says, Yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make use of my rights in preaching. Though I'm free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to every man to win as many as possible. Amen. We are to share the gospel, we are to remind people of what God has done. Amen. So I'll go through the book of Acts and I thought, wow, a magician. The sorcerer, Simon, had a gospel. A finance minister, Chancellor of the Exchequer of Ethiopia, had a gospel. A murderer, Apostle Paul, the murderer, had a gospel. A dressmaker, Lydia, had a gospel. A devout and God-fearing man, Cornelius, had a gospel. A jailer had a gospel. A man throwing knowledge of scripture who taught about Jesus accurately, with grace, fervor, eloquence, and conviction, Apollos, had the gospel we need to send the gospel to everybody we need to send the gospel to everybody and sometimes I think we think people are religious so we shouldn't I studied it with the bible with a man I won't mention the church he went to but he was a leader of this church and we studied the bible we did discipleship he said to me wow I need to go and preach this in my church. I said, go ahead and do it. He went. He said he preached. He said, my church loved the singing and the dancing, but they don't want to follow this. After many months of studying, he realized actually he himself has not been a disciple, nor the people he's been preaching to. Watch your life and doctrine closely, remember? Persevere in them because if you do, you support yourself and your hearers. He got baptized. Now his two daughters have got baptized, I hear. Do you understand what I'm saying? The gospel ought to go to everybody. When Paul went to what in the Bible say is what endless, endless gods and goddesses. Paul could have said, oh, okay, there are a lot of gods here. All religions were simply different but equally valid, you know. These are all ways to God. No, 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 no. Paul says there are lots of gods here, but there is only one God. And Christians need to have the conviction, not the arrogance, but the conviction to be able to preach that. Amen? Why would they continue to preach even though their message caused routes in Philippi, in Ephesus, in Antioch, in the Thessalonica, Berea, Corinth, Jerusalem? Why? They wanted the news of Jesus Christ to reach everybody. They wanted to remind people about God. A little challenge. I want you to look at your tablet or iPhone or Android or Covadis or Filofax or those who use diary and ask yourself, (laughs) I use diary. If you look at it, how many times have you sat with another brother and sister in the church to remind them of God? Or somebody outside the church, or your spouse, or your child. You understand what I'm saying? We need to remind each other about what God has done is so important it's so important finally we need to be eager to obey we need to remind people of God through our obedience next one please yeah we need to be eager to obey I look at the life of Abraham Abraham take your children leave and go and wow, he went. Abraham, take Isaac, go and sacrifice him. And I thought, wow, would I do that? And that is the life of obedience. Amen. Yes. Jesus, offer yourself on the cross and he goes. Jesus says to the disciples, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. The scripture says they left everything and followed him. He says to Peter and Luke, Peter throw the nice over there to catch fish. He said, Jesus, I have fish all night. But because you say so, I will do it. Life of obedience, amen. amen. If you love me, you obey what I command, John fourteen, fifteen. That is what the scripture teaches. Husbands. Let me talk to you for a moment. The Bible says we should love our wives. Amen. It's not debatable. <laughs> you can't say what is love. Who is my neighbor? We need to obey. Amen. When you are driving, isn't that beautiful when you see a man and woman holding hand? There's something special about it, isn't it? I was raised in Africa, we don't do that. <laughs> I didn't see that as a model. But it's a beautiful thing to see. I need to be an affectionate husband. Amen? You can send this message to my wife. It's not my strength. I'm a task-oriented person. I'm irritated when we are three seconds late in getting in the car. Okay? I'm irritated when we are walking, saying we are going to Sainsbury and then you want to look at the shop. Please, come on. It's not in the itinerary. (laughs) That is Sainsbury. That's where we are heading. (laughs) This shop has nothing to do with Sainsbury. Okay? But sometimes it would be nice to just chill and look at the show. (laughs) Wives, we need to submit to our husband, don't we? (laughs) Build your husbands up. Amen. Build your husbands up. And I say this now, Mary, that's our challenge. I need to be affectionate. My wife needs to build me up. Okay. It's great I get affection from my daughters. And Oh, Daddy, you are great. And Daddy, you have a wonderful voice. And Daddy, can you grow your afro back? They saw me as with my Michael Jackson hair. <laughs> I know God can do all things, but really, I don't think I'm going to get my... They saw my photographs when I was in my youth. I was a Michael Jackson fan with this big afro. Then I became a Bob Marley fan. I had my dreadlocks. And my daughters think, that's cool, Dad. can you grow them back? And I thought, okay, i am gotten bored. It's, it's just, we um, can't have those things back. <laughs> okay, it's irreversible. At work, we need to let our obedience show. Amen. It's okay to make teas and coffees for your colleagues, okay? As teas, coffees it's okay to serve at work. In our purity, look at the weather. Ghana is very, by the way, far hotter than England. But I found anyway the way I was raised. In spite of the weather, women dress modestly. In England, it's hot and everybody thinks they should wear something, nothing. (laughs) And men... The Bible says we should be pure. Amen? Amen? If you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery, the Bible says. It's not debatable. You can't say my genes are different. God made you, and he made that command as well. Amen? Amen. Forgiveness. We need to be able to forgive each other. I was listening to Radio 4 today about the shooting in America of those guys in the congregation And this man was sharing the only reason they could forgive this guy was because of their work of faith. It is possible to forgive. Amen. Within our marriages, it is possible to forgive. What hinders our communication in marriage is lack of forgiveness. And what hinders our community is lack of forgiveness. So, in summary, we need to love the Lord with all our hearts. Amen. We need to have deep conviction. We need to have active prayer life. We need to have we need to remind people of God. And we need to be able to be eager to obey. And I think if we do this, we'll be daring. Let's dare to love the Lord with all our heart. Thank you very much.